Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had one only daughter, about twelve years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him, and a woman, having an issue of blood twelve years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood staunched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him, and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead, trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter and James and John, and the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her, but he said, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. And he put them all out, and took her by the hand, and called, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again, and she arose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. Thank you, Jacob, for leading the music and for reading the scripture today. Welcome everyone. It's been probably a long week for many of you. Last week it was quarantine, so there were no services. Welcome back, enjoy the day. Let's praise God for the beautiful day he has given us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for another wonderful day of life and thank you for the opportunity to look into your word today, that we can open the Bible and study it. Lord, we also thank you for going to the cross. Jesus, for being God, for being the payment for the sins that all of us have done, and that your Holy Spirit would be here. And also, Lord, that you would protect me as I speak your word today, and that you would forgive any sin in my life that might hinder your word. And Jesus, we just want to say we love you. Thank you, God. Amen. Today we're going to look at a passage of scripture this is from the Gospel of Luke, and this same passage is also in the book of Matthew, 
and the book of Mark. So it's in all three synoptic gospels. And each one of the writers was led by God to provide a little bit additional detail. This story focuses on two individuals. One of the individuals is a man named Jairus. And he is one of the rulers of the local synagogue. The setting for the story is the town of Capernaum. And this was Jesus' hometown. Now the second individual that's in this story is a lady, she's not named, but she's described as a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. Jairus has a daughter who is sick and she's at the point of death and she's 12 years old. Now this lady with the issue of blood, her path intersects with Jairus because as a Jew, she cannot go into the synagogue with an issue of blood. In fact, she's considered unclean and she has to stay at a distance from all the people. If people were to come near her, she would have to say, I'm clean. Please don't come near me. Jairus being a ruler of the synagogue would be very well aware that this lady was prevented from coming into the synagogue. They probably very well knew each other well. Yesterday, my daughter and my daughter-in-law had a baby shower, they're both pregnant. And of course, many people come to a baby shower. My daughter's house was filled with people coming in and out a lot of the afternoon. Now, wouldn't you think that Jairus having a daughter who's 12 years old, this town of Capernaum not being very large, that this lady having an issue of blood for 12 years, perhaps even she went to a baby shower for the Jairus' wife who was pregnant 12 years before this. It's a very interesting story with many possible intersections. But the intersection that counts most is on this day of this story, they are both going to meet Jesus, God, for the purpose of being blessed. And we're going to see how that happens today. Let's look at the top of page two. We're going to have four points today. The first point is Jesus never disappoints or refuses those who welcome him. The second point is Jesus is the great physician and he can save our souls. The third point is Jesus wants us to speak of his testimonies and to never be ashamed of him. And the fourth point today is Jesus desires the worship of believers, but lost souls mock at his deity. The first point, Jesus never disappoints or refuses those who welcome him. Luke 8:40. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. Do you recall the last message that we discussed was two weeks ago, and Jesus had cast out all the demons in the man that lived in Gadara. And at the end of that passage of scripture, all of the townspeople came out to meet Jesus, and they said, would you please leave? and go back. They were asking the very presence of God to leave them. And Jesus did. He boarded that ship and he crossed back across the Sea of Galilee and he went back to his hometown of Capernaum. Here it says the people gladly received him. How long he was on that trip over the nighttime 
and then landed in Gadara, and how long it took to cast out the demon, and for the swine to go into the water over the cliff, and for the townspeople to come to meet him, we don't really know. But it's perhaps later in that day, the afternoon or early evening, and these people are waiting for Jesus to come back home. They want to see Jesus, and for many different reasons, as we're going to find out. Mark 5.17, that's the end of the last message. It says, and they began to pray Jesus to depart out of their coasts. So now Mark 5.21 picks up Jesus as he arrives back in his hometown of Capernaum. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship onto the other side, much people gathered onto him, and he was nigh onto the sea. So that means he was literally on the seashore when those people came out to meet him. How do we know he was in Capernaum? Because Matthew 9, 1 says, And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And as we learned previously, Jesus grew up in Nazareth. But when he started his public ministry, he moved to the seaside town of Capernaum. Luke eight forty one, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him, that he would come into his house. As we can imagine, there would be many, many people around Jesus, perhaps hundreds of people around Jesus. And as you know, if you try to get near somebody when there's a large group of people, it's very difficult. So Jairus had to work his way through that crowd. And when he finally gets in front of Jesus, he falls down at his feet. And he beseeches him, he asks him to come to his home which isn't that far away. It's within walking distance. And he desires Jesus to go to his home because it says his only daughter is sick. And he knows Jesus has the power to heal. Now at this point, he knows his daughter is sick unto death. We know there's a typical sicknesses that children get. They have a cough, they have a headache, and most of the time you feed them well, you put them to bed, and in the morning they have all their energy back. <laughs> Much more than us as adults. But there's all sickness that's on to death that parents know. My brother died when I was 16. And my mom knew he was sick unto death when they took him to the hospital. So there's a difference between sick and being sick unto death. And Jairus knew his daughter was sick unto death. And he needed a miracle. Now as we're going to learn later, while... Jesus is talking with this lady with the issue of blood. Another man from Jairus' house comes to him and he says, your daughter is now dead. Don't bother any longer the master. There's nothing we can do. Luke 7.3. Luke 7.3 deals with the centurion. And the centurion was a Roman soldier who commanded 100 men. And he had a servant who was also sick unto death. And he had sent for Jesus to come and heal him. The point here is that Jesus didn't only heal the Jews. Jairus was a Jew being a ruler of the synagogue. But Jesus healed the Gentiles also. And the centurion being a Roman soldier was a Gentile. Acts 18.8. Here's another individual who's a believer. And he's a ruler. Crispus the chief ruler of the synagogue believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. 
So we see that even though the Jewish leaders want to kill Jesus, and ultimately they go to Pilate and get permission to put him to death, there were many Jewish leaders who also believed and became saved. 1 Peter 5, verse 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Jairus, coming before Jesus in the presence of this crowd, being a ruler, a leader in that community, he humbled himself before Jesus, and he fell at his feet. The purpose being, we can cast our care upon Jesus because he cares for us. That's why we can go to the Lord with any burden that's in our life at this time, or tomorrow, or whenever, and he will always hear. Luke 8.42 for Jairus had one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. Jairus has one purpose in mind, and that's to get near Jesus to discuss the issue of his daughter being sick unto death. But there were too many people preventing him from having this one-on-one -on -one discussion. Mark 5.23 And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. So Mark is giving us a little bit better, different insight into Jairus as he's talking to Jesus. Matthew 9.18 provides another perspective. While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead. But come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. What this verse is saying that his daughter is already dead. Do you see how it all works together? When he first comes to Jesus, his daughter's still alive. Then the messenger from his house says, she's dead. Don't bother the master. But he still pursues, even though he has this bad news. And it says he worships. He knows God has all the power. Luke 6:19 And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him and healed them all. What Luke is teaching us here is that many people would try to touch Jesus, to touch his garment, and many were healed just through this process. Point number 2 today, Jesus is the great physician and the savior of our souls. Do you believe that today? In the physical realm, he can heal our body. Randy, I know he's done a great work in your life already. In the physical. But in the spiritual world, it's even more important. Because our soul is eternal. Our body will go in the grave one day. But our soul is eternal, and Jesus is the Savior of our soul. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Luke 8, 43. And a woman have an issue of blood... 12 years, which had spent all her living upon positions, neither could be healed of any. This lady had this issue, and it said she suffered greatly. Can you imagine spending all your day, every day, in physical pain for 12 years? And think about this lady's mindset. She had spent all of her living, that means she spent all of her money on the doctors, 
We think of doctor's bills being very expensive today in 2018. Doctors were expensive 2,000 years ago. And she spent all of the money that she had. Add to that the fact that she couldn't go to the synagogue. How many of us desire to go to church to fellowship with other Christians? She was prevented from being able to go to the synagogue. She was ostracized. And not only that, if somebody were to come near her, she would have to say unclean. Now, she manages to get through this crowd close enough to Jesus to touch him. So perhaps, like many of the women in the Middle East, they cover their head. Perhaps she covered herself so nobody would see her. And she probably bent over. And her number one goal was to get close enough to Jesus to touch his garment. Because she knew that there was healing power in the Lord. Now, why was she considered unclean? Let's look at Leviticus 15.25. And if a woman have an issue of blood, that's talking about a woman's monthly cycle. If a woman have an issue of blood many days out of the time of her separation, the separation is the monthly cycle. In the Jewish culture, you were unclean if you bled for seven days. But after seven days, you could go back into the synagogue. If the bleeding continued, you couldn't go back into the synagogue until the bleeding stopped. And this is the verse that says us. And if a woman have an issue of her blood many days out of the time of her separation, or if it run beyond the time of her separation, all the days of the issue of her uncleanness shall be the days of her separation. She shall be unclean. So as long as this lady continued to bleed, she couldn't go to church. Couldn't go to the synagogue. And at this point, it had been 12 years. And all the rulers of the synagogue know it. And all the physicians in town know it. So this lady has many witnesses that know she cannot enter into the mists. Job 13.4 gives a little bit of insight into his feelings about doctors. But you are all forgers of lies. Ye are all physicians of no value. Sometimes we feel that way even today when we go to the doctor and they really can't diagnose the issue. Mark 5.26 gives us a little bit more insight about the lady. And she had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse. So she went to many doctors and she spent all of the money that she had and it said she rather grew worse. As the time went by, her condition was getting worse. And you can imagine she was probably feeble at this point, being anemic, having this issue for 12 years. And you can almost imagine how we go through ups and downs in our emotions, how down this lady would be getting after 12 years, how her hope would be melting away like an ice cube on a sidewalk. Let's look at the top of page three. Luke 844. And she came behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood staunched. Immediately she was healed. Now you know this lady knew she was healed. Probably her first reaction would be to praise God, hallelujah. But she's not supposed to be there. Can you imagine all of the joy that was in her? And not being able to express it? 
because she probably would get in trouble, yes? No, she also touched the border of his garment. Do you know Jesus is the perfect Lamb of God? As the border touches the end of our garment, and it, it's the fulfillment, it's the finishing of the garment. When somebody finishes a shirt, they finish the edge of it. Jesus is the fulfillment and the finish, the finisher of our work on the cross. So he is our garment in the spirit world. She wants to touch him in the physical world, but Jesus has touched every Christian in the spirit world. He is the edge of our garment. And our garment is the purity and the righteousness of Jesus. If you're not saved, you need to have that garment of Christ's righteousness on you to be able to go into heaven when you pass. Let's look at Numbers 15.38 because prior to this study, I didn't know this verse. Or I read it, but I never put two and two together. Jesus wore a garment because he fulfilled every jot and every tittle of the Jewish law. And the Jewish law said the men had to have a garment with a blue border. So Jesus would be wearing this garment that would have a blue border. Let's read this verse. Numbers 15, 38. This is Moses telling the Israelites 1,500 years before Christ that all the following generations had to follow this. And that's why we know Jesus would have followed this. Speak unto the children of Israel and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That Jesus would have this little blue fringe on his garment. Psalm 103, verse 3 and 4. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, and healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Only Jesus can do all of that. Only Jesus can forgive our sins. And once they're forgiven, we're made clean. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And he also can heal us from all diseases. And this is really speaking in the spirit world because that's where the disease of sin will take the soul into hell without a redeemer. Mark chapter 6 verse 56 tells us why this lady with the issue of blood would have known that all these she needed to do was to touch his garment. Because this verse says, And whithersoever Jesus entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch if it were the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. So if you had somebody in your family with leprosy, somebody that had an issue of blood, for example, somebody who was blind, somebody that couldn't walk, that was lame, somebody that couldn't hear, if you took that person and put them on a stretcher in the street, and here's Jesus, he's walking from Bedford up to Lynchburg, and all that those people would have to do is reach out and touch his garment, and they were healed. And don't you know that kind of news would travel very quickly from Bedford to Lynchburg? And everybody would find out where Jesus was walking on the street, and they would bring the sick, and they would be healed. Think about those miracles that Jesus did. 
how awesome that must have been to be alive in that day. Luke 8.45. And Jesus said, who touched me? Why would Jesus ask the question, who touched me? He certainly knows who touched him. He's God. He knows everything. The reason he asked is he wants this lady to give a testimony of why she touched him. Do you know God wants us to give our testimonies to people that we meet? Let's look at this. And Jesus said, who touched me when all denied? So everybody's going, not me, not me, even though they're all thronging around him and pressing up against him. Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee, and you sayest, who touched me? Isn't Peter the one who kind of always speaks out, sometimes puts his foot in his mouth? So here he's saying to Jesus, everybody's pressing against you, touching you, and you're asking the question, who touched me? He's like a little bit dumbfounded. Now Psalm 71.15 says, My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day, for I know not the numbers thereof. Our mouth should make a confession of Jesus' great work in our life. Psalm 40 verse 5, Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done. And thy thoughts, which are to us word, and they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. How many of us made our heart beat in the last minute? None of us. And you know over a lifetime, your heart will beat a billion times? That's a thousand million times? And every heartbeat is a blessing from God. None of us can make our heart beat one more beat than God has preordained. But we can't number the blessings. How many of us breathe air and we don't give it a second thought? How many of us enjoy this nice warm room on a cold day when it's raining literally ice pellets? How many of us had a good breakfast today? This verse says, God's blessings, they are more than can be numbered. And certainly they are. Praise God. Philippians chapter 1 verse 12 but I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. This lady touched Jesus' garment. She was healed of her issue of blood for 12 years. And Philippians teaches us that the reason is for the furtherance of the gospel. Why did God do all of these miracles? For the furtherance of the gospel. They were proving he was God. The leaders of the Jews who rejected Jesus and wanted to argue with him about his declared deity and being the Father and I are one, he said, if you don't believe me for my words, believe me for the miracles, for my works. Only God can do what Jesus was doing at that time. Luke 8, verse 46. And Jesus declared, Jesus said, somebody has touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. Do you see in your handout that word virtue is underlined? It's not in the scripture like that. It's underlined for the purpose of looking at that word. In America, in English, we typically think of virtue as being goodness. Somebody who's virtuous is a good person. But if you look at the word meaning for virtue in Greek, it means dunamis, which means a force, a miraculous power, strength. It's a mighty, wonderful work. 
And we get our word dynamite from dunamis. So Jesus said, I perceive that virtue. I perceive that power. I perceive that dynamite in the spirit world has just gone off. This lady was healed. Now, we don't know if she was a believer before this point. Because many people, they will want the benefit, the blessing of God, and not necessarily be a true convert. But as we're going to read, she is a true convert at the end of this passage. Matthew 28, 18. This is Jesus speaking right before he ascends into heaven. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. The reason this lady was healed of her issue of blood and the reason this lady was saved is because God has all the power. All power is given unto Jesus in heaven and in earth. Hebrews 11.6 tells us and defines us how we need to get into heaven. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If anybody in this room does not have faith that Jesus is God and that he died for our sins and that we've trusted in that grace of God, if you don't have faith, you can't please God. This verse says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. There's also a verse that says, for by grace are we saved through faith. So it's very important to have true faith, not to believe because the devils believe and tremble. There's a difference between believing in God and having a true faith as a, our personal Savior. The third point today, Jesus wants us to speak of his testimonies and never be ashamed of him. Luke chapter 8, verse 47. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling. And falling down before him, she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. So now this lady knows, they know who she is. It says, when she knew that she was not hid. Now they know this is the lady that's not supposed to be in the midst because she's unclean. She has this issue. And it says she fell down before Jesus and she declares unto Jesus before all the people. So now she's making a public testimony in front of all of those people that are gathered. And she says, for what cause she touched him. She's saying, I came to Jesus because I knew if I touched his garment, I would be healed. And she then declares that she was healed immediately. Psalm chapter 38, verse 9. Lord, all my desire is before you, and my groaning is not hid from you. Jesus knew the power went out of him, and he knew the reason she touched him. And this verse says, nothing is hid from God. That means no sin that we do is hid from God. When we pray, even in our quiet room, nothing is hid from God. Our thoughts, nothing is hid from God. Psalm 66, verse 16, Come and hear, all you that fear God, and I will declare what he has done for my soul. Amen. This lady is declaring what he has done for her in the physical world and by being saved, what Jesus has done for her soul. The top of page four. 
Isaiah chapter 66, verse 2. For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. God makes everything and every soul, every person. And most of the people in the world today reject Jesus. Broad is the way that leads into hell. And only few find the straight gate. Few go into heaven. And yet Jesus is saying here, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, not being poor with money in the bank, it means being poor under God's authority, humbling yourself. Luke 8:48, And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Do you notice that Jesus is saying, daughter? Now, she wasn't physically his daughter. Jesus was never married. So the reason he's calling her daughter is because once we become a child of God, we can say, Abba, Father. And Jesus, in this verse, by saying daughter, is declaring himself to be God. Isn't that amazing? Now, John 10, 30, that verse declares, I and my Father are one. So Jesus is God, and he can call this lady daughter. 2 Corinthians 6.18 says, And will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. If you are saved today, you're a child of God. You're a joint heir with Christ. And you can call Abba Father and take your burdens to the Lord. Now, do you think that this lady has relief. Do you think her mind is finally at peace? Amen. Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This lady finally had rest. And remember, Jairus is right there. She now, after seven days of purifying process, will now be able to go back into the synagogue. Luke 8, 49, while he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead, trouble not the master. So now Jairus is waiting for his turn again to speak with Jesus. So many people are pressing him. And one of the workers at his house comes and says, Don't bother Jesus, don't bother the master, your daughter's dead. Now does Jesus know about death? Psalm 23, 4, Yea. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Jesus is going to give Jairus comfort. Even when people don't believe because his daughter is dead. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jesus knows about our sorrows when people in our family die. He knows all about funerals. He is acquainted with our grief. He went to the cross. He carried all of the sin burden for believers on the tree. Isaiah 53, 4, the next verse. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. As Jesus was carrying that cross on the way to Golgotha he was carrying our sins and when he went to the tree and died 
He was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Luke chapter 8, verse 50. And when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. So Jesus is looking right at Jairus and said, If you believe, she will be made whole. She will be made alive. And don't you know that that made the hope spring up in his mind and his heart. Here is God who just did a miracle right in front of his eyes. This lady who he knew who couldn't go into the synagogue was now healed, literally in his presence. And this very God who just did this miracle has said, your daughter will be made whole. Imagine the hope he now has. John chapter 11, 25 and 26. Jesus said unto her, this is Jesus talking to Martha, Lazarus's sister. Lazarus has been dead and in the grave four days. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Think of a coin. On one side of the coin is tails, that's our physical body. On the other side of the coin is heads. That's our eternal soul and spirit. On the tail side, our body will die. On the head side, our soul will never die when we're a believer. Now look at this verse in that context. He that believes in me, though he were dead, physically dead, yet shall he live. His body will come back out of the grave. On the head side of it, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. In the spirit world, once you're saved, on the head side of the coin, you will never die. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So for the Christians in this room, your physical body will die and come back alive at the resurrection. But in the spirit world, your soul will never die. It will never go into the destruction of hell and the lake of fire. John 11.40 Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, If thou wouldest believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God? So Jesus is still speaking to Martha, and he said, Didn't I tell you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14. But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Those are the Christians who are dead. That you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. This is talking about people who believe in Jesus. These are the saved who have died over the last 2,000 years. They will come with Christ. Their bodies will be resurrected unto glory and they will have a body that can no longer sin. It will be called a glorified body. Luke 8.51 and when Jesus came into the house, this is Jairus' house, he suffered no man to go in except Peter and James and John and the father and the mother of the maiden. When Jesus gets to the house, he doesn't want anybody else in that house. He only wants three apostles and the two parents and, of course, the girl who's dead on the bed. This is an interesting part of this passage because Jesus is saying to the lost, to those unbelievers, I don't want you to see the power of God. And do you know in the world today, 
The power of God is hidden from the lost. Jesus prayed that prayer. Father, I thank you that you've hidden your power from the wise and the prudent, but have revealed it unto the babes. And here's another manifestation of that verse. He wants the unbelievers put out of the house. Isaiah 42.2, he shall not cry nor lift up or cause his voice to be heard in the street. God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is very deity. And he's not going to put himself into positions where he's going to be ridiculed. 2 Corinthians 13.1, this is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Why did he want Peter, James, and John in there? They were three witnesses. And in the presence of two or three witnesses, every word is established. This word, this Bible passage was established by the witnesses in that house. Psalm 103.13, like as a father pitieth his child, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. He pities Jairus that he, he is suffering because his daughter is dead. And it doesn't say anything about the mom, but you know she's suffering right now. She doesn't know that Jairus is standing in the presence of Christ. She doesn't know that Jairus has asked Jesus to come back to their home. She's there in front of her daughter, who's only died, literally, probably an hour or less before this, because they're not walking that far. All of this grief is welling up in her. Her daughter, who was just alive at the beginning of the day, is lying on this bed, dead, and she's only 12 years old. Remember, girls in that culture would marry at 14 and 15 and 16. And they're perhaps even talking about who are you going to marry? You know, those kind of things that moms and daughters talk about. And now all of her hopes and dreams for her only daughter are laying on that bed and her daughter is dead. Let's look at the fourth point here at the top of page five. Jesus desires the worship of believers, but lost souls mock at his deity. Luke 8, 52, and all wept and bewailed her. But Jesus said, weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. So you can see the setting. Jesus and Jairus come up to the house, and many of the people, they're wailing and weeping, and in their culture, they would have people who would literally cry at the top of their voice, and they would really make kind of a, a lot of noise. But that was the culture and the custom. And Jesus is walking into this environment. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 1 and 2 says, To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted. There is a time to be born and a time to die. But Jesus is the one who controls our time to be born, and our time to die. And Jesus has decided that this 12-year-old daughter, it's not her time to die. And he's going to restore life back to her. Matthew 9, 23 and 24 give us a little bit more insight into what's going on at Jairus' house. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. These minstrels were people, they would actually be paid money to wail over the body of somebody who was sick. 
and they were already at the house making their noise. Luke 8.53, and they laughed Jesus to scorn, knowing that she was dead. They were scorning God. You wonder why he put them out. They were blaspheming God. They didn't recognize Jesus as God. And it says they were laughing him to scorn. Luke 8, verse 53. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. So both of these versions of this passage say that they laughed him to scorn. Job, chapter 12, verse 4 says, I am as one mocked of his neighbor, who calleth upon God, and he answereth him. The just upright man is laughed to scorn. So Job was saying, the just upright man is laughed to scorn by the world. They're looked down upon, they're ridiculed. And Jesus was the ultimate just man. He never sinned. And the world is laughing him to scorn. Now he would go to the cross as the ultimate scorn and mockery. Psalm 22, 7 and 8. This is speaking of him, a future event. This was written a thousand years before Christ goes to the cross. And it says, all they that see me laugh me to scorn. And they shoot out the lip. And they shake the head saying, he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. And this same passage is repeated in the New Testament. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 1. A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not a rebuke. These people who were scorning Jesus, the Holy Spirit had rebuked them during their life. They were under conviction at some point that they were lost and on their way to hell because the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And the people who reject that grace, God calls them foolish people. They're not wise. Luke chapter 8, verse 54. And Jesus put them all out and took her by the hand and called saying, Maid, arise. So now Jesus has everybody out of the home and it's just her, the parents, and Peter, James, and John. And now he commands that this maid arise. And she has to because he's God. Isaiah 25, 8 says, He will swallow up death and victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of his children shall be taken from off the earth, for the Lord has spoken it. This is a foretelling of future events that will happen, but it also explains the situation in Jairus' home. Don't you know that this mama had her tears wiped away when her daughter came back to life and the joy that was restored into that home. And Jairus, his hope was fulfilled. Our hope will be fulfilled one day when Jesus comes back. We look for forward to heaven because heaven is our hope. But one day, hope will be manifested. Jairus hoped that his daughter's life would be restored was manifested when Jesus said, Maid, arise. Now we have other instances where Jesus healed. In Luke chapter 7, in the little town of Nain, a woman's son had died, and they were carrying him out of town for burial. And Jesus saw it, 
and he walked up and he touched the briar that was carrying the body and the man was made whole. This verse says, and Jesus came and touched the buyer, and they that bare him stood still, and he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. Here was an instance where Jesus raised somebody from the dead. Another instance when Jesus rose Lazarus from the grave, John eleven forty three, And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And as we know from that great miracle, Lazarus came forth. Even though he was dead for four days, and Martha said he stinketh. God has all the power. Luke 8.55 And her spirit came again, and she arose straightway, and Jesus commanded to give her food. Two big things in this verse. It says her spirit came again. So when the body is truly dead, the spirit leaves. You see that in that verse? Yes. Her spirit was gone, and it came back. And the other important point of that is, Jesus said, give her some food, give her some meat. That proved she was alive. Now there's a very interesting passage in the Old Testament that parallels this. And it talks about the soul leaving the body and returning. And this is from 1 Kings 17, verse 21 and 22. This is talking about Elijah. And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. So the Bible is very clear. The soul leaves the body upon death. Luke 8, verse 56. And her parents were astonished. That's an understatement. If we were sitting at a funeral home here in town, and Jesus came in and restored that person in the coffin to life, everybody at that funeral home would be astonished. Well, Jairus and his wife, Peter, James, and John, and perhaps the, the girl herself, they were astonished. And he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. Isn't it interesting? Jesus just did this awesome miracle, and he says, don't tell anybody. Now, why would he do that? Remember, the people outside the house, they just mocked him to scorn. And Jesus doesn't want his purity and his holiness and his God presence to be looked down upon. People who take the name of the Lord the God in vain, they shouldn't do that because they're mocking his very deity. Now let's look at two verses that further explain this. John chapter 6, verse 15. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. The event here is Jesus had just fed approximately 10,000 people. And all of the people understood they just got a free meal. And they said, let's make Jesus king because we want more free food. We want more free things. And Jesus didn't want to be made king under those circumstances. He wants to be made king of the Christians who believe he saves them from their sins. So there's an instance where Jesus didn't want to be made king. Jesus just restored this 12-year-old girl to life. 
And when these people find out, when she goes outside to play with the other children in the neighborhood, they're going to know a mighty miracle was done, and they're going to want to make Jesus king. He doesn't want to be made king under that circumstance. Philippians 2.7 also gives us further information. It says, But made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. The reason Jesus came to the earth was to be manifested in the flesh, to be the redeemer, to go to the cross. But he didn't come to have a reputation. Remember, he was born in a stable. He wasn't born in a king's mansion. And it says he came in the form of a servant. Everything Jesus did was to serve people and to help people and to forgive people and to restore people and to bless people. He didn't come for adoration to be the king at that time. Now, when he comes back the second time, he's coming as a roaring lion, not as a sacrificial lamb. And he's going to have king of kings and lord of lords on his garments, on his thigh. And the blood will flow. 200 million soldiers are going to die at the battle of Armageddon. Jesus is the king of kings and the lord of lords. But before the cross, he came to be a servant. Have you received Jesus today as your king and lord? Have you recognized his service that he went to the cross to bear our sins? That's really the most important issue and question in your life today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your beautiful word. Lord, it's so wonderful to study it and read it and to discuss it. And what a blessing it is for all of us in this room who are saved to know you as our personal Lord and Savior. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to the cross. You didn't have to have Jesus come. He's pure and perfect and to bear the sin of all of us sinners. And Holy Spirit, you were leading Jesus to come to the earth. We thank you for that. And Lord, that you would bless the upcoming week. Many of the senior saints in this room today, perhaps they have doctor's appointments and those sort of things, that you would keep them safe in their travels. And also, Lord, I just want to say I love you. And I know all the Christians in this room, they love you too, Father. And bless us as we go. Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you.